0: In Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be reading the first 11 verses of that chapter, and uh, we have the scripture and uh, some notes back up here on the PowerPoint to to hopefully help you as we walk along together. We're going to be covering a lot of ground, so uh, buckle your safety belts, uh, and um, I'm not responsible for what follows. (laughs) Now, Jesus, having been born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived at Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and came to worship him. But having heard this, Herod the king was troubled, as was all of Jerusalem with him. And having gathered together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he was inquiring of them where the Christ was to have been born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the governors of Judah, for out of you shall go forth, leading one who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, having called the Magi secretly, inquired of them the precise time of the star's appearance. And having sent them to Bethlehem, he said, Go and look carefully for the little child, and when you have found him, bring word back to me, so that I also may go to worship him. And having heard the king, they went away. And behold, the star they, had, they saw in the east was going before them, until having come, it stood over where the little child was. And having seen the star... They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And having gone into the house, they found the little child with his mother, Mary. And having fallen down, they worshipped him. And having opened their treasures, they offered to him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray. Oh God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us, who know you now by faith, to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you And the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You might have noticed that unlike it's been for the last few weeks during Advent and Christmas, the manger scene now has the wise men. The Magi have arrived. They've arrived at Bethlehem to offer their gifts. They had traveled from the east, they had seen a star, and they were prompted to go seeking the king of Israel. Tomorrow is Epiphany, a holiday in which we celebrate Jesus' manifestation to the Gentile world. He came to redeem the whole world, not just the Hebrew people. He came to be Savior, not just of a nation, but of all nations. He came to redeem the whole world. He came offering you and me, though not born Jewish, life in Him. And we recognize His epiphany In the visit of the Magi. People from the east. Perhaps (laughs) Persia. Perhaps beyond. We sing of we three kings of Orient. And we remind ourselves of their gifts. And we remind ourselves that they traveled by a star. And in their visit. We recognize some very interesting details. We recognize that they have come from the east. That tells us where they had been, where they were, where they were in life, geographically speaking. They were from the east, they were not from Israel, they were Gentiles. They were outside of God's covenant people. We read of this star, this star they followed. In fact, it's because of the star that they did go, and it's the star that they reference when speaking to Herod the king. We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. It's interesting that God used a star. Stars were what these men knew. Not anything particularly holy. In fact, if people started talking to you about following stars, you'd think they're pretty weird. But God used what they knew, used what they had on hand, and led them. These were not... Kings, as we typically think of kings, these were wise men, magi, magicians, looking to the stars, reading the prophecies. And something was happening in the world that these men outside of Israel recognized was significant. So they traveled. Their gifts. They opened up their treasures, the scriptures say, and they gave to him what they had. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts fit for a king. Gifts in preparation for one's burial. Gifts used in worship. They gave to him... Of their treasures. Of those things they had. Those things they possessed. Those things they had. Inherited or worked for. And they offered to him. Gifts appropriate. For a king. And the work he would accomplish. In establishing his kingdom. Jesus spoke an awful lot about the kingdom. In fact, he began his ministry in preaching the good news. And that good news was a call to repentance. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus, in his birth, in his epiphany, brings to us the arrival of, Of a kingdom. He is our king. And he came to establish. His kingdom. And that kingdom was one that Israel. Had awaited. To be restored. We find. Within the church. Kind of a crossroads. Or an intersection. Of two kingdoms kingdom of heaven, the kingdoms of the earth. To be sure, you and I still live as people of the earth. In fact, Christ specifically prayed that God, His Father, would not take us out of the world but would leave us here. So we live as Americans, as Westerners. We live and move and have our being as people of the earth. And yet we inhabit not just this kingdom, but we inhabit a heavenly kingdom. A kingdom that Christ came to establish. A kingdom that these magi recognized was being established. We live as His people, as citizens of His kingdom. We are called to live as pilgrims here, citizens of another kingdom, subjects of another Lord. And Herod recognized that the coming of this little baby was a challenge to his lordship. And not only his, but also that of Caesar. If you read on in the text, you read that the Magi were warned not to go back the way they had come. And so they found a path around Jerusalem and circumvented Herod. Joseph then is warned in a dream by an angel yet again. Get the baby, get your wife, and get out of here. Go down to Egypt. And in a rush, they escape what would become Herod's murderous rage to protect himself and his kingdom. I was talking with the, I call them the youths, because they're not youth anymore, they're young adults. I was talking with the young adults on Thursday, and we're talking about how, you know, we think of Christmas as this sweet and joyous time. And that first Christmas was, it was a bloody mess. Herod slaughtering all boys to and under in Bethlehem. It was a time of people traveling to go pay taxes. Sheesh. There was movement. There was danger. There was fear. Could you imagine Being woken in a dream by an angel, get up, get your family, and get out of here. You're in danger. The fact is, the king had been born. Herod says, what do you mean you've come to visit a king of the Jews? I am king of the Jews. So he begins to plot and connive and call away secretly. And it's interesting, the verbs that he uses are specifically, "You go and search very carefully, and you find exactly where he is." In fact, in relationship to the star, he specifically asks him, "Exactly when did you see that star appear?" The king has arrived. In his arrival, his kingdom calls into question all of our loyalties. Every commitment we have comes under our commitment to him. Every oath, Of faithfulness, every pledge of allegiance, everything comes under his lordship. For he is our king. And Herod recognized that's a danger and a threat to his kingdom. Herod was living quite nicely in the palaces under Rome's authority. Within his kingdom, as citizens of his kingdom, we're called to live for his sake, for that of one another, and really in truth, for the sake of the world. That's what Christ has called us to, to live for others. Not for ourselves, not protecting what's ours, But to offer all of who we are, all of what we have to Him for His use. We're called to establish together, you and me, one another. Called to establish and nurture within the life that we share the love of Christ. That love of Christ is seen and strengthened in our humility, in our work, our compassion, and our worship. In all that we do together, we are to be strengthening and evidencing the love of Christ. For we live as members of His kingdom. The Magi, they brought what they had. They brought those things that they possessed. And it's interesting how the text words it. They opened up their treasures and they gave him gifts from those treasures. It wasn't, oh, we have. We have our possessions, but look—we ran by the store and got you something special. It specifically is telling us they gave him what they had, and their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh are probably going to be quite different from our gifts. But being brought into the kingdom of Christ, you and I, each and every one of us, are called to lay what we have before Him. For He is our King. He is the King of our hearts. He is the King of our world. our gifts will probably include our energy our efforts the talents and abilities that we have but we're called to bring what we have what we find in ourselves to him As a congregation, we stand at a, um, at a very interesting juncture in our history. We, um, for the last few weeks, last, I guess, three, three or four months now, David mentioned to you our health team. And our health team has been evaluating what, uh, what we found through survey to be our Our um, greatest need as a congregation and that was interestingly enough gift based ministry Um, we have a lot of people who do a lot of things but yet there's still more to be done and there are plenty of ways for folks in our congregation to get involved in the work of ministry God's Spirit has enabled you, has enabled me to do a variety of things. He's wired us in different ways. He's created us differently. As we've lived our lives, we've come across different paths. We've been different places, we've had different life experiences, we're all variously different. And God uses all of that, uses all that we have, our life experiences, our abilities, our strengths, our passions, the things we love, the things we hate, God uses all of that to work through us for the sake of the world. And when we think about, God, what are you wanting to do through me? What is it that you've equipped me for? What is, how is it that you've wired me? I, I want you to think of three specific things. They all begin with the letter H. Your hands, your heart, and your head. These are these are things for each and every one of us to evaluate on a periodic basis, myself included. What are my hands? What are those things that God has equipped me to do? What are those things that I'm able to do? Some of you are incredibly talented with music. Some of you are good at organizing and planning. Some of you have all sorts of different skill sets that people either know about or some don't know about. But God, what are my hands? What are those things that I'm able to do? My abilities. And then what is my heart? What are those things I'm passionate about? What are those things I really care about? What are those things that excite me? Those things I love to do. Because God is able to use all that. Especially if we will also give Him our heads. God, if you've gifted me in this such a way if these are things that I really care about, how can I now intentionally and willfully use those things for your glory in your church? See, when our hands and our heart and our head, when our abilities and our passions and our wills are put together, suddenly things are getting done. God is able to use someone who brings those gifts to Him in His kingdom. My prayer for our congregation, and I, I'm starting to see it realized is that there becomes a kind of a contagious excitement about what God is doing in us and through us. I say contagious excitement because, you know, when, when you are around someone who's joyful, you either really like that person or you really don't. Um, Because normally when you're around somebody who's excited, when you're around somebody who loves something, you know, when you're on that date with somebody who's obsessed with music and you really don't care, you you want them to just shut up about it or you begin to join in with that excitement. And God is doing exciting things within our congregation. We've heard testimony this morning of what God's doing through our congregation to people who've never even come here before. Who are already making plans for weeks down the road of being here. God's doing exciting things. We have reason to have joy. And my prayer, like I said, is that that... Excitement And that joy becomes so contagious within us that people, all of us, myself included, are thinking, how can I be used? What is it that, I, that I'm able to do, that I care about, that I'm going to actually commit to doing? So that through me and through my gifts and through what God has enabled me to do, God's kingdom might be more established here on earth. That we're always um, accused of being, you know, crazy. That the, the churches—that's one of our—it's um, one of one of our marks is we're maligned and ignored and thought of as being nuts. The Magi. Packing up, loading up the camels, getting together their treasures, following a star, traveling perhaps as long as two years. Matthew tells us that Jesus was not at a stable outside of a packed inn, but was in a house and was a child. When they show up, where's the king who's been born? We saw a star out east, and we've come. It's interesting. You you look at the uh, you look at the Magi in any manger scene. They're always the ones that stand out the most. It's like whoa, they've got crowns on and long flowing robes. They're holding very. Normally, the uh, the gifts are very odd looking. They're elaborate boxes with jewels on them. They stood out. Their faith was kind of weird. Following a star, traveling hundreds of miles. God's people um, are always a bit peculiar. After all, you're here every week. You could be tailgating, getting ready for the game this afternoon. God wants to use us as His peculiar people. And it's amazing. It's a good thing that we are peculiar. Number one, because that's the type of people God tends to use. And number two, because that means He's got all sorts of things that He's able to do through us. I mean, if you look around yourself... You'll find former bankers, salesmen, cleaners, business owners, teachers, people who have made coffee for a living and people who don't like coffee. And we're a relatively small congregation. God wants to use us. And what I want you to do is I want you to do three simple things with me. I say simple. They they require a little bit of commitment. But just three things. If you'll look on the back of your communication card and on the back of your bulletin, hang on to your bulletin. This is yours. Uh, But drop off your communication card and the offering plate at the back of the sanctuary when we end, please. I want you to pray With me throughout this week. Alright, your um, communication card's got an error on it up there at the top. On um, On your bulletin though, you'll say, pray for Christ to use me. I want you to pray this week specifically that Jesus would begin to show you how he wants to use you. And that he would begin using you. You know, all Jesus needs is someone who's gifted and willing. You already have an innumerable amount of gifts. The question is, are you willing? And if you'll pray, Christ use me, you'll find that He's transforming your heart and making you willing to be used. The second thing I want you to do is I'm wondering if you will commit to, um, to complete a questionnaire and bring it back next week for our workshop. Dave, hey, will you help get these out? Really, it's kind of a packet of stuff. The, the questionnaire is the front page. The second page is a chart of all the different ministries that we currently have going on at the church that are opportunities for you to get involved. And then the last one is a quick write-up about how to get involved in ministering to our community, out in our community, and how to get others involved in, in helping you do that. We've got folks who've done prison ministries. We've got folks, in fact, we have two completely unrelated and separate prison ministries that have been a part of the people of this congregation's lives. David was testifying to one uh, earlier that our kids used to go and... Uh, the, their dads used to go and visit folks in prison. Our, the kids used to write letters to prisoners. Mike used to be involved in prison ministry and still is and is trying to get some, uh, some stuff... Uh, uh, get, get that started back up. We've got a variety of things and avenues to get involved and you've probably got ideas that you've had that you've never acted upon. Please take those pieces of paper home with you. Look over them and, and fill out, answer the questions on that questionnaire and bring it back next Sunday for our workshop. It's three pages. It's three pages, yes. If you need help, if you're thinking, I don't know how to answer this question. I'm not sure about this. Ask someone who knows you well or feel free to send me an email. Adam at org. If you want me to help you think through it, send me an email. Write me on Facebook. And then the last thing that I want to challenge you to do. And this is really where the rubber meets the road because those pieces of paper have no magic in them. They're not sprinkled with magic fairy dust. Sorry, Megan. No fairy dust. But where the rubber meets the road is this. Will you commit to become more active in the ministry of our church? Because it's easy to talk about how God has gifted us. It's easy to talk about all the possibilities of ways we could get involved. It's easy to look at a chart and say, man, that'd be really exciting. It's easy to attend a workshop, especially where they're providing pizza. It's easy to do all that. But what's difficult is answering in the affirmative when someone says, will you get involved in this? Will you commit to doing this? So I want to challenge you to put some real thought and prayer into this questionnaire to attend next week And to commit to becoming more actively involved in the ministry that we have going on here. To say that you have an opportunity to minister would be a gross understatement. Your opportunities are practically innumerable. Let's pray.